And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. It's Saturday, it's the 9th of March. The sun is shining, but only briefly, Borek, I'm afraid. Bad news well, for I'm gardeners at the minute. Snow and sleet and rain and wind. What? Yeah, we it was a fairly wild night. I don't, well, I don't was. know. I, w- I went to bed a bit late because I had been at drama in Roscommon. Great old festival going on and brilliant uh, per- performance last night from Bridge Drama in Wexford. Good. And they did Neil Simon's yeah. oh, fantastic. Brighton Beach Memoirs and I enjoyed it no end. But anyway, it's a long enough place so I was kind of late home and then I was a bit late going to bed and then I don't the know storm storm yeah. at around 2 o'clock in the morning which kind of go I, at that point I always go oh, do I can I go back to sleep or should I stay awake or you know yeah. I'm, I'm afraid I'm always afraid I'll sleep in on a well, look at it's, it's early March yeah. as well so we were, we're always going to get a kind of a mixture of, of frost and, and uh, wind and rain yeah. at this time of year so I thought we might bring the gardening a little bit indoors and I, I suppose I was inspired too by some of the questions we had last week so there was a lot of questions about potatoes there I suppose was. two things stood out for me last week there was a lot of questions about potatoes and there's quite a few questions questions about roses as well as memory serves but we're going to focus on potatoes this morning potatoes yeah I thought we'd go into it a little bit more depth and I see already we've we've actually some questions in and I suppose traditionally St. Patrick's weekend was always kind of the signal in the gardening year for for the planting of potatoes now look at you can plant potatoes anytime from early March right through right up until the ash actually comes into leaf which is normally about the middle of May so you know and indeed we can plant potatoes later on in in the summer in July and August for a Christmas crop. So potatoes are very versatile. There are a huge range of varieties and types and I suppose every, a potato to suit every palate as well. But at this time of year in your local garden centre you'll, you'll get a, a, a wide myriad of different varieties to choose from. And the key thing at the moment is to start sprouting them indoors. So you can get a kind of jump to start in the season even though the soil conditions aren't the most favourable for planting them outside. You can actually purchase your little bag of spuds like this one here you can see the buds are actually beginning to be initiated already Mm. Um, so they're beginning to sprout and that's really just down to the very mild temperatures we're having at the moment what potato seed or tubers need at the moment is an indoor location somewhere bright frost free but with really good sunlight because you need the sunlight to make sure that the buds become small and green, purpley green colour and very turgid. If they're soft white shoots, they tend to break off when you plant them. So my advice is to select your potatoes this week if you can, spill them into an old box, uh, a tomato box or a a seed tray or anything that will hold them. Put the eyes facing upwards there, the little sprouts facing upwards and put them in a bright location, somewhere like a greenhouse would be ideal or if you had a shed with a large window or a conservatory or anywhere indoors out of the, the, the misery of the cold and, and, the, and the weather, but somewhere really, really bright. And leave them there for about a week to 10 days to get those buds really strongly growing. So don't leave them in the packs, as it were. <laughs> you know, they're better take them out and make sure, and don't put them in a dark location because you'll end up with small, watery white shoots that will fall off then when you're planting them. Now, you can certainly start planting potatoes in pots and containers and I think we were chatting about that last week. Mm. So if you want to do some, if you're fortunate to ha- enough to have a tunnel or a greenhouse or again a sunroom or somewhere protected indoors, you could certainly start planting them up in pots and containers and indeed you could leave them outside on a patio. They'll be perfectly fine because they're covered with a layer of soil that's going to our compost, that's going to keep them protected anyway. But the soil conditions itself out in the garden soil is just too wet at the moment. You know, you won't be 
able to work the soil. It's just got too heavy and too wet over the last week or 10 days. So I suppose the key point is it's the time of year for sprouting them. It's the time of year to purchase your seed because if you leave it till the end of March or the April, they'll, they'll be, be gone, gone. Yeah. basically. And some of the varieties, potatoes are broken into, I suppose, three categories. We have what we call the first earlies or the new potatoes. And they're the potatoes that you, you purchase in normally the end of May, early June. They don't need any, you simply just wash them, boil them and eat them. They need no peeling whatsoever. So they're the lovely early varieties with the beautiful new potato yeah, taste yes, that we I all love. love. Yeah. And and there are some brilliant varieties. So the first earlies, if planted at this time of year or planted, say, even next week or the week after, will be ready for harvesting. If you've got a, a tunnel and greenhouse, you'll have them at the end of May. If you plant them out of doors and pots and containers or raised beds or indeed in the garden soil, you'll have them from about the middle of June onwards. And there are some brilliant varieties uh, a lovely Irish variety called Colleen. It's one that is bred here in Ireland. It's bred for the Irish palate. It's actually a blight-resistant variety. So it's one that you, if you, particularly if you want to grow potatoes organically, Colleen is a very good early variety. Beautiful flowery flavour. It's got a kind of a, um, a, a yellowish outer skin and, and a yellow flesh inside, but a fabulous flavour from that one. And it's an Irish variety, so it's kind of bred for our palate. Red Duke of York is an English variety, but it's one of the most popular potatoes. It's a bit like roost it's got that red outer skin Actually, yes. and a lovely uh, white flesh, creamy flesh inside. And a very robust variety. It is. It? Yeah. Red Duke of York is around a long, long time. It, it, it's a what we call a sport from Duke of York. So Duke of York is a traditional uh, early variety and somewhere some gardener found a red tuber at the base when he was harvesting his his normal Duke of York. We call it a sport in, in gardening where the where nature throws up a different variety or okay. a different plant. Mm. Don't ask me why it happened. Yeah. They're gen- generally a freak of nature. And so that, that particular red seed was was harvested and then it was propped the, the, the red Duke of York yeah. and it's actually a better variety than the traditional Duke of York and we often find that with sports in plants that the, the new generation tends to be a little bit better so that's a really good one red Duke of York I think in the UK it's voted the number one early potato because it's it's um, it's so versatile you can use it for chipping for baking for boiling for steaming and it's got a v- very very nice flavour um, another really popular UK variety is one called Home Guard, and that dates back to World War One. It's a uh, it's a very early variety um, and and really good. And probably my favourite variety from the UK is British Queens, and they're often sold along the Wexford potato. You'll see them on the side of the road. Oh yes, yeah. Home Guards and actually British Queens are the first potatoes you see on sale at the side of the road. And the British Queen is that literally it's like a ball of flour. It's a beautiful variety. It's a second early, so it's generally ready for cropping kind of the end of June, early July. And again, you sprout it at this time of year. So all these varieties that I'm mentioning, you start them off by putting them into seed trays. You don't have to use compost or anything and simply sit them on a bright windowsill or in your greenhouse and get them sprouted. Sharpest Express is another really popular variety. It's more an oval-shaped potato, very like a hen's egg, probably a bit larger, um, very creamy. Really, it's an old variety. I mean, it's it's probably a hundred and... It's a hundred years old wow, at least, okay. but so and in general you find those tried and tested. Those that stick stick around for quite a while, like King Edward, yeah. I think nineteen 
1.02 that was found bred and it's still around today. And do we, it's just something I've cropped, a, a random question yeah. into my own head, which you may or may not have the answer to now, Porik. It's more, it's more historical maybe than anything else. But do we know what kind of varieties of potato actually came from, you know, South America back with the explorers or anything like that? Um, well, I sp- those varieties are, are, I suppose, are gone yeah. now. But because um, essentially that's where they that's came where from, they came from. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, but, but those varieties are gone. So we don't know what was the actual original, original variety, variety that many of okay. these have been. I bred suppose. For. I mean, if they were originally from South America, uh, climates here mightn't uh, really support them quite as well as the ones that we have developed over the yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, and and you see, many, most of these varieties are crossed with others. Yeah. So you you know, Duke of York has been crossed with with many other varieties too. And you, what you're looking for is the best of both parents. And, and they bring those seeds forward. So, like, for example, a great, a great example is a variety called Kestrel, which is a beautiful, it's a, a yellow-skinned potato with red eyes, but its parent is Cara, the Irish potato Cara. So Cara w- was, was bred here in Ireland, a really good cropping variety, and it was crossed with another variety to give us Kestrel. So Kestrel is a, is a beautiful variety, very sweet. Children love it because it's got a fantastic sweet flavour. Um, so it's a really nice one. It's a second early variety. Um, so, so first early, certainly Sharps Express, Home Guards, Duke of York, Colleen are really good. If people are bothered by slugs on their potatoes, we often get questions about slugs mm-hmm. damaging potatoes. There's a variety called Foremost, that is slug resistant. It's an early, first early variety. It's a salad potato and the slugs dislike it. So that's one if you if you've slugs are a problem. Look for that in your local garden centre foremost. It's a first early variety. Really nice flavour as well. Um, second earlies then and, and those that are, say some for pots and containers. If, if a listeners just want to try a few with their children, because it's a great way to grow them with the kids. There are three really good varieties that grow in containers. Now, all of the varieties I mentioned can be grown in pots, but these three are particularly good because they're short in stature. They don't produce very long um, foliage and stems, mm. so they don't fall over in the pots and they tend to fruit very early. So there's a lovely one called Carlingford. It's a Northern, Northern Ireland variety. Um, it's a salad, white flesh, Brilliant in pots. It's a second early variety. And two others, one called Rocket and Accord, which again do really well in um, tubs and containers. Right. And then main crop varieties, again, they, they're traditionally planted, uh, you know, late March, early April. You get those into the ground. And they're varieties like, I suppose, the, many of the ones that we're eating at the moment, Golden Wonders, Curse, Pinks, um, Records. But a couple that are, are slightly different. There's one called Blue Danube. And again, going back to children growing uh, potatoes. Blue Dam- Danube is a violet blue colour. Right the way through. No, it just actually on the co- on just skin. on the skin. Oh, but right. it's it's a really really uh, distinctive colour. So it's a purple. Purple probably does it. Just justice. It's actually a beautiful violet purpley colour on the outside. So kids actually love love to harvest it from the ground because it's so colourful. As you cook it, it the colour does. Um, disappear. Right. So it goes to more, a more uh, traditional colour. But it's a really good flowery variety. So again, for chipping, baking, boiling, mashing, it's, you know, it's a typical Irish potato. It's actually a um, Hungarian variety. Um, in, in Hungary, they're, they're spending a lot of time breeding blight-resistant varieties. So there's people may know the Sapro family and Blue Danube comes from that family of, of potatoes. Um, but it's, it's probably one of the best for blight-resistance 
it's um, it's an early main crop so you're generally harvesting it in August, September. Mm-hmm. It stores extremely well and you can use it for a whole variety of things like chips and boiling but if you like a flowery spud and you want to grow your potatoes organically and you want to get the kids involved they love growing blue, blue danyip just as a fun again a great one for pots and containers or you can plant it out into the garden soil um, one of my girls in in, uh, in Turlock in the garden centre Leone yeah. grows this potato every year and to hear her speak about it I mean okay, <laughs> even so I would listen we should, to it we should all give it she a go she just raves about it and I suppose it. the thing it's, is, really it's not one. something you're going to pick up on the supermarket shelves it's not and many of the varieties that I'm mentioning there you just won't get in like you won't get Kestrel to buy or uh, you will get British, British Queens but the likes of blue danyip you just won't get another really good Irish variety one called Satanta, which is a daughter of of um, rooster, but a better variety, better flavour. So Satanta is like rooster in that it's a red skinned, beautiful white flesh, brilliant for organic growing again because you don't need to spray it. Okay. So Satanta Blue Danube um, are brilliant if you want something different, flowery, but also you don't want to be spraying them with, with um, okay. light control during the, the summer months. And the final one that, that still is, I mentioned it earlier, is King Edward, which has stuck around since 1902. It's a really kind of light flowery variety. It has both slug resistance and scab resistance. So sometimes potatoes get this scab. Now it doesn't do any harm to the potato, but a lot of a lot of listeners dislike having the scab on the outside um, skin of the potato. Um, but if you have it, it 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 doesn't render the potatoes unedible. They're they're perfectly fine. Right, you just peel them and away much, you yeah. go. But but King Edward is a scab resistant variety, and it's also very good uh, for for against slugs. It's a variety that is a main crop. It's a late main crop, so it's one I would plant. And I suppose really the theme here is to plant a little bit of everything. So plant some of your early varieties, plant some of the second earlies like the British Queens, then plant some main crop varieties. But King Edward is really a potato for Christmas. It's a big flowery potato for Christmas. So Great is that, for baking. Is it one that comes on later, later. in the year? Yeah. yeah, it's normally ready to harvest late September, October. You lift it at that time of year and then you use it from Christmas. It stores extremely well. Uh, people would still be using it at this time of year from those from the ones they, they planted earlier. Yeah. But it's a big potato. I mean, it produces really heavy crop and, and but a fantastic flowery potato. And, and we Irish love our flowery spuds. So King Edwards, Blue Danube, Satanta, the, the Colleen is, is really nice, a lovely flowery potato as well. British Queens do really well and Kestrel, they're all really balls of flower. Now we had a question and I see a question this morning oh, about... We've loads, we've well, loads since we started, Warwick. There's one that relates to um, something I mentioned last... About layering. About layering well, potatoes. Yeah. So I, th- I'll, just get, I'll just quickly yeah. address that. So, yeah. um, so last week, as you said, you gave great advice on early potatoes in bags and containers. Um, so this is from Kevin. He's keen on using the layer method you mentioned. Uh, should he put one layer in, wait for them to sprout a little and then put in the second layer on top or can all the layers be put in at the same time? <laughs> the good news Kevin is <laughs> all together I hope yeah. it's very hard to maintain so, the momentum you know? it's so simple yeah. so all you need is a pot the point I was making last week that potatoes will grow really great in pot and a great great challenge to do with the kids and it'll only take you half an hour to do this so you simply get a nice big pot it doesn't have to be necessarily too deep so 15 inches of depth or 18 inches of depth is plenty an old sack would do any container that, that allows the, the compost to drain 
put about six inches of compost in the base, add a little bit of um, fertilizer to that, mix it in, and then put three or five tubers in the base of the container. Put another six inch layer of compost over that and put another three or four tubers on top of the others. Now you can space them so they're not sitting directly on top of one another and then fill the pot up with regular compost. Again, adding a little bit of fertilizer because potatoes are hungry feeders. Leave it outside and within six weeks you'll see the tubers starting to grow. The kids will actually see the new growth coming forward and those potatoes will be ready to harvest in late May, early June. And any of the varieties I mentioned there that Kevin wants to give a go, particularly the ones for pots, Carlingford, Rocket, Accord, are all perfect. But all the others I mentioned, Sharps Express and Red Duke of York and Foremost, are brilliant as well in pots and container. And look, it's a fun way to get the kids. Because if you plant them now, over the next week or 10 days, they've got something within two months to eat. Yeah. And, and so they're not waiting a year type of thing to, to see something. Within a very short period, they've got something too. And it just shows them where their potatoes come from. Fantastic. Now, we do have a couple of questions. Uh, you were talking about a scab-resistant varieties there a few moments ago. Um, I just, somebody's got a question in relation to scab. They had it on their potatoes last year, wondering any suggestions on what to do this year. Can they plant them in the same place? Do we know what causes it? Well, it's, it's just a soil-borne disease and some varieties are more susceptible to other to than others particularly if the soil is very limey you tend to get more scab in the soil so when you're growing potatoes you never add lime to the soil they should be growing in in a piece of ground that maybe cabbage grew last year or carrots grew or something else grew but having said that there are two varieties in particular that are scab resistant the king edward that i mentioned at the Mm -hmm. top of the program if you had a really good main crop variety and home guard is actually a scab uh, resistant variety as well so Try both of those. They'll naturally be protected against the scab. Um, so th- th- ideally you should be growing potatoes in, in, the, in different parts of the garden each year. They should follow on from another crop like cabbage or carrots because potatoes are very hungry. They tend to take the same nutrients every year and they can deplete the soil. So ideally kind of move them about if you can. Better crop rotation. Yeah, but having said that, Home Guard and, and King Edward you'll find very good against scab. Now, Tom and Jack are home from England starting farming this week um, and they've a couple of questions. They're wondering, is it too early to sow potatoes and cabbage and vegetables out in a big field? Um, the old people one time ago in the 50s and 60s, they say, would sow the potatoes all done before St. Patrick's Day, but it was probably better weather. Yeah. Then. <laughs> <laughs> probably better than this week well, anyway. better than this week, yeah. yeah so yeah. look at... <clears throat> If, we were, if the good weather was continuing that we had for February, I would be saying, yeah, go ahead and plant. I mean, most vegetables are frost hardy, but the weather, the soil conditions at the moment have been wet at the moment. Um, and St. Patrick's Day was kind of that traditional period where people got back out planting potatoes. But having said that, you can plant them up until the middle towards the end of May. So there's no major panic. It's all about when the, when the soil conditions allow you to plant. So I would hold off at the moment. Certainly you can sprout the seed potatoes like I mentioned I brought actually a whole range of different seeds in Yeah I know today. there's a huge range and we will we'll talk about some of those yeah, fairly so we'll shortly come to those, mm. and they can be started off inside so you can be doing certain things to prepare for the vegetable season but the soil conditions at the moment are just too too wet. Too wet. Too uh, wet. Yeah, things will it's just... be too difficult yeah, to, to the, the If you had a raised bed or you had a nice cloche or you have your greenhouse or tunnel, yes, you can plant your vegetables, no problem at all. But the ground conditions outside in the field are just too wet at the moment. Okay, they're just going to be stuck there yeah. and uh, probably rot into the ground or whatever. Well, yeah, and it would just be difficult to till the soil and just to, you know, to... to, to um, 
to get them started. So and look, my advice is just hold off if you're planting out directly into garden soil. But if you have, if you're growing them in pots, containers and raised beds, then you can certainly plant away. No problem at all. Now, uh, what potatoes can we grow in a tunnel? Should I plant in the soil or make raised beds? And what other veg is suitable to for a tunnel this is my first year doing this okay well if you've got border soil and it's of good quality you can plant them directly into the soil and potatoes actually are great in virgin ground because they tend to bust up the soil because of that when they're producing their tubers they actually help to kind of break up the soil and give it a better tilth and a better condition so if you've got the space and you've got a good soil in the tunnel then you can plant them directly into the garden soil or you can plant them in raised beds you can do a bit of both if you want the tunnel will give you potatoes at least a month earlier than planting them outside and my advice really is to plant the early varieties because you don't want the potatoes there the whole season taking up the ground so plant some of the early varieties you'll be lifting those in late May and June and you'll still have plenty of opportunity to plant more salad crops or Japanese onion sets or garlic or whatever for the, for the late summer autumn period Okay, great. Last year, somebody said uh, potatoes in the tunnel, the stalks grew very high, but the potatoes were very small. Well, remember last year was extremely dry and potatoes need their, their, their plenty of irrigation, plenty of watering. So don't judge it on last year. Do grow the early varieties because you're taking them out of the ground at the end of May, early June. Um, and when they're, particularly when the, the foliage and the tubers are beginning to form, particularly coming up to flowering stage, they need copious amounts of water. So you need to leave the kind of hose on the potato patch for maybe an hour just drenching the soil and giving them a, a really good soaking that's important Best fertiliser for potatoes? You can use um, you can get actually buy specific potato fertiliser sold as potato fertiliser um, or you can use something like the Pro 6 is very good as well a good kind of organic based fertiliser general purpose fertiliser is fine Okay, we're going to leave it there on potatoes for the moment. I, we will be coming back to them again over yeah, the coming weeks. Give them weeks. a go and get the kids growing a few of them. I mean, that's kind of more the novelty than anything else. Now, we were going to talk about beekeeping anyway today, but I do see somebody has a question in uh, regarding where to get some information on beekeeping for a beginner. Oh, well, you've teed me up. Over to because, you. <laughs> because the, the team from the Westport Beekeepers Association gave me a call during the week just to mention that they have a beginner's beekeeping course starting on Saturday and Sunday the 13th and 14th of April and they run that in the Chaga Centre in Westport and I have been on that course and it's an excellent uh, course I know there's other great beekeeping clubs around the country here in Ballyhonas and, and in Claremorris and Ballina and so on but the guys in Westport have that course coming up on in April Saturday and Sunday April the 13th and 14th it's a beginner's course um, and if, if you go onto their website you'll get the full details on, on booking a, a place also the, the honey is available at the moment so if, if people are looking for the Westport honey or any of the honeys they're available um, in the garden centre at the moment and remember that's the that's made from the flowers that bloomed from this time of year onwards right through the summer so all the white thorn black thorn all of the native irish plants that's what where the bees collected the, the pollen and nectar so um particularly for people with allergies with pollen and particularly last year was a year with the high high uh, temperatures yeah. pollen so now is the time to start eating it did I see a great video uh, did you have it up uh, about a bee collecting pollen oh, during the week yeah, yeah, was that yeah. on Facebook there was on a yeah, it was brilliant wasn't it yeah. busy as a bee busy, but you can really see um, if people are on Facebook do take a look at it I, I found it really fascinating it's very close up image you can see literally all the little pollen, pollen. I don't yeah. know what's an individual piece of pollen called do, do we have a what name on it they're uh, just pollen a grain a of grain pollen a grain of pollen thank uh. you uh, <laughs> I'm winging but that you one. could live well. Well done. 
done on the wigging. Um, but you could see literally how they gather it up to their bodies and um, there is so, and then obviously it's transported when they fly off. I yeah, thought and it was they brilliant. Store, they actually mm. collect the pollen and they store it in their feet. They've got little sacks on the back oh, of their okay, feet. Oh, okay, because it was all down that now, end of uh, the bee, all yeah, right. Yeah, they'll, they'll push it down there, but they're generally covered with, with the pollen. And of course, the pollen, they're moving from flower to flower and they're pollinating. Uh, plants as they're going on they're spreading the pollen but they do mix the pollen with uh, the nectar in the hive as well you know that's their food source the, yeah. the, the pollen um, but yeah the, look at the, the honey is because people always ask me when is the honey available so that's available at the moment um, but, but keep an eye hey, people interested in beekeeping particularly those listeners that have fruit in their garden I find you know when you do have bees in the garden the amount of fruit you get you'll double or treble the amount of apples and, and plums and, and so on that you get from them. So this is the time of year. So that course is run by Westport a Beekeeping Association starting on Saturday and Sunday the 13th and 14th of April. So go onto their website and um, you get all Good the information. Great. Yeah. Okay, now I want to talk about daffodils at the moment. They're providing a a nice splash of colour it they has have, to be said since Christmas yeah uh, over over the last while um, and probably now with things having taken a step backwards weather wise they're the only thing that re- that are really providing a bit of colour um, so a couple of questions people lots of daffodils in pots but there's no flowers would you have any suggestion to keep the bulb, bulbs flowering and somebody else planted fair play to them a few hundred daffodils last year uh, something that's eaten all the flower buds what could have done this and how can they prevent oh. Oh, that's so disheartening. Well, yeah. the, the trouble is that uh, daffodils, as they're pushing, so when you buy your daffodil in the autumn, the flower embryo is already formed within the bulb. So all that bulb needs is moisture and heat to grow. Okay? And the, the, literally the flower bulb is in there. As the bulb is beginning to grow in October, November, if you lift them, if you lift them even in July, they'll have initiated a huge amount of roots and the buds start to grow as we come into autumn. So what happens as the bulb is coming through the, sh- the ground, the slugs often attack the flower bud as it's growing. And so when the daffodils emerge, you get this no flowers or, or the flowers literally et. And that's just slug damage over the winter period. So it's difficult to um, control. Mm-hmm. You tend to get it on all on most daffodil flowers. There's some level of of uh, slug damage. Um, so look at the. There's nothing really. You can, I mean, controlling the slug population is really the only way to to avoid that. So you can use the traditional methods over the from this time of year onwards, and hopefully that'll protect them for next year. For the bulbs that haven't flowered mm. in the pots, if you get ju- if you buy juvenile bulbs or the bulbs are quite small, they won't flower in the first year because that flower embryo hasn't been formed. So those bulbs will not flower this year. Having said that, they're perfectly fine, and the listener, if they can at all should plant them out into an area in the garden to let them grow, feed them up over the next couple of weeks. They'll die back as natural, as, as normal. And then next spring, they should be a ball of colour. So just because they haven't flowered doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the bulbs. You literally just plant them out somewhere in the garden soil over the next couple of weeks and they will die back naturally and come back next, next spring, spring perfectly fine. Okay, um, so that's because they're a bit on the young side. They're just too young, yeah. The bulbs okay. are too young. Now, somebody else has a row of daffodils set three years, the leaves, but no flowers, and it's in rich, loose soil. Well, generally, the, the, the problem with, not, with, with poor flowering of daffodils is if, if the clumps are too got too thick and too heavy, the bulb actually gets too small and it can't produce a flower embryo. So over a number of years, daffodils should be lifted, split up, Trans- or, uh, planted somewhere else the other thing is that you need to leave them six to eight weeks to die back naturally after flowering right. because 
the bulb naturally has shrunk in on itself. The flower has been produced. The leaves have been produced. And the, the bulb needs to, all that energy has to go back into the bulb again to plump it up before uh, summertime, before it, it initiates its new flower bud. So what my advice really is, if they're in thick clumps, you can lift them at this time of year over the next couple of weeks and you can transplant them. Feed the daffodils then after flowering or feed them any time from kind of early April onwards to build them up for next year. So the time to feed them is actually when they're dying back because you're swelling up the bulbs for next year. So any any poor flowering in daffodils is generally due to them not dying back properly or not building their bulb up uh, from last year and, and really to encourage that if you feed them liquid feed them from April onwards that helps and finally on daffodils uh, I know this is probably a little ahead of time but when is the best time to move them for next year well if you can move them at any stage we move them in the green so you can just leave them at the moment enjoy the flowers and then dig them up say about the end of March early April when the flowers start to fade as the foliage is getting longer and which it does the leaves get that little bit taller dig them up that tra- that time of year and transplant them and that applies to snowdrops if people had snowdrops flowering in January and February this is the time to move them so you move them in the green when they're still alive you simply dig up the clump split it up into two or three pieces and transplant them don't cut back the foliage don't do anything with them give them a feed in April and you'll build them up for next year. Okay, that person with the hundreds of daffodils has uh, sent in a second part to their thing. They've just said they had all the buds, those ones, um, but they were all eaten and could it be a fly of some sort or would cats eat them? Cats won't eat them, no, no and, and flies won't damage slugs. them. It's generally slug, slug okay. and snail damage on, on daffodils. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Most, most actually um, grazing animals like, like goats and sheep no won't, won't eat daffodils. Okay. Because there's a resin in, in daffodils in that they dislike. So you'll often see a, a field full of, of um, grazing cows and the grass will be cropped to nothing and the daffodils will be flowering away. They won't touch them. They dislike the, the taste that's in the actual. Bedroom. But the slug is different. Okay, he's, <laughs> he's a different He's palate. not quite as discerning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're giving a garden talk today. I am. Later on today in our centre in Turlock in Castlebar, um, at 12 o'clock, I'm giving a talk um, about spring gardening. So if people are free, it's a free talk. Um, and uh, it's going to uh, run on for about an hour or so but I'm going to cover all the kind of seasonal things that people can be doing in their garden so we'll cover I'll mention the potatoes again and we'll talk about uh, vegetables and herbs and uh, what to do with your lawn and pruning roses mm-hmm. and all of that so it's a little practical demonstration from 12 to, to 1 o'clock in the centre in Turlock and Castlebar so if people are free pop down love to see you uh, and if, there's a, if they want to bring any questions with them or any gardening challenges bring those as well any <laughs> okay. bits of leaves or whatever um, so look that's 12 o'clock today in yeah. Turlock in Castlebar and uh, I'll be there for about an hour giving a chat Right now the cuttings I planted at the end of last year have rooted roses fuchsias hedging etc what's my next step Isn't that fantastic Brilliant People Brilliant. get a great buzz yeah. to think that you put a stick in the ground and that it produces roots. Isn't it fantastic? It is so look at that's great. Um, and I think we were promoting that last September to take cuttings. They root over the winter period. You can simply dig them up now. You can put them into small pots if you want in a good quality compost. Leave them out of doors. Uh, the one thing I would do is as they start to, to produce new growth, I'd pinch the tips out or with a small scissors or small secondaries, just prune ever so slightly the very tops of the new shoots because that hen- helps 
to encourage the plant to be very bushy and full. So if it's roses, what else was there? Fuchsia, is it? Fuchsia, Fuchsia yep. yeah. Hedging, not hedging. specific. Okay, well then, look at all of those are frost hardy. They can be left out, out of doors, put them in small pots, let them grow on for several weeks and then you can plant them out into the area that you want them to flower this summer and, and the roses and the fuchsia will certainly bloom this year. Same with the hedging plants. Once they start to grow, just take out the, the tops of them they can be planted then directly into the area that you want to to um, have your hedge. Excellent. My roses have lots of green new shoots at the end of the branches again. Want to give them a good pruning as there is a lot of strong branches. Can this be done now? They're Queen Elizabeth roses. Queen Elizabeth, a great variety. It's a really tall variety actually, a Floribunda rose. Lovely <laughs> variety. So, and it's quite a vigorous, grows really fast. Um, all roses are showing significant new growth this year mm-hmm. because of the mild weather. You disregard all of that. You treat them as you would every other year. You cut them back. Because Queen Elizabeth is such a strong grower, I'd only cut it back to about a foot from ground level. Most other varieties you can prune right back to within kind of six to eight inches, but it's quite vigorous. So leave it at least a foot long from ground level. The other thing I would do is as that Queen Elizabeth rose comes into growth in April and May, pinch out the shoots again, the, the new shoots at the tips, and that will help to keep the overall height shorter and it'll encourage a lot more flowers on Queen Elizabeth's. It's actually a lovely variety for cutting. It's okay. a, what we call a floribundus so it produces many flowers. Like a vase rose. Yeah, it's yeah. a lovely, lovely rose. It doesn't produce the really big ones and it's a lovely shade of pink. It's a kind of a, a, a really rich shell pink. Um, so yeah, prune them back, feed the roses, put on the winter wash at this time of year as well once you've pruned them back and the winter wash gets rid of any bugs that okay. might attack them later on. Now I have a small garden and I'm just wondering is it possible to grow fruiting plants or berries in the garden? It's south facing seven foot walls surround the back garden and will the fruit grow in pots? Yes, well many fruit will grow in pots. Now the more vigorous things like apples, pears, plums, um, fruiting cherries, they need to be planted into the garden soil and many of those can actually be trained on the wall. So you can grow them as espaliers or as cordons, literally fan train them out on the wall. So use the wall for support, plant them right at the base of the wall and literally train the branches on some wires. So they'll take up minimal space, they'll only take up about six or eight inches coming off the wall and rather than putting a climber on the wall, Mm. the fruit trees could be used. For pots and containers, strawberries do really well in pots, blueberries do really well in pots. Um, most of the other fruit needs to go into the garden soil or in very big pots. Uh, so gooseberries, black currants, red currants, white currants, all of those, rhubarb, are better planted in the garden soil if possible. But having said that, they will grow in large tubs as well. So maybe prioritise the, you know, what fruit you, you really want to grow. I would use the walls, certainly for the apples, pears, plums, fruit and cherries can all grow on the walls. Um, and then for the pots and containers, strawberries, blueberries, and then, you know, pick your pick your other whatever you're going to use on a regular basis rhubarb is great because it comes back year after year after year and and it's very reliable but yes south facing small garden there's lots of fruit you can grow how to kill off ivy growing through shrubs you can use a brushwood killer but you just need to be careful that you apply the brushwood killer only to the ivy and not to the shrubs so you may need to cut the ivy back at ground level Mm -hmm. let it regrow and then spray it with the brushwood killer or else just paint on the brushwood killer onto the foliage of the ivy or indeed you can get the roundup gel which is like hair gel you can paint onto the leaf of the ivy and that would kill it as well it's a good time of year actually for treating ivy because they're just coming into into growth at the moment now, I have wildflower seeds that I want to sow on a grassy bank. Do I need to clear off the grass completely or is it enough to cut it short before sowing? And when is a good time to sow? Well, it's a perfect time, any time from now on. 
I would get rid of the grass uh, completely so you can uh, uh, treat the grass with Weed Free 360. That'll just eliminate any grass or weeds that might be there. So you're starting with kind of clean soil for the wildflower meadow because otherwise the grass is just going to compete. Even cutting it back now, it's going to compete with the germinating seeds and smother them. So you're better to clean the area off, um, use the Weed Free 360. It'll take about a week to 10 days to work. It won't contaminate the soil. You rake off the area and then sow your wildflower seed onto the area. The other way you could do it is to sow the wildflower seed into seed trays, get them to germinate, pot them up into small pots, grow them on as plants, and then plant those plants into the, into the um, you know, things like foxgloves and so on. A little bit more work. I was going to say, that sounds like a lot of yeah. work. <laughs> but Wildflower pouring. Do you not know, just go out and scatter the seeds? Yeah, well, get rid of the grass. <laughs> if that's the way the listener is going to do it, get rid of the grass because it's only just going to compete with the, with the wildflower. <laughs> and I always say when you're putting in a wildflower uh, area, think of the bulbs as well. You know, think so. Like at this time of year, um, you could be planting things like agapanthus that would fit in really well with the wildflower. So there are bulbs you can plant this time of year, but particularly in the autumn, things like the snowdrops, the dwarf daffodils, fritillarias are lovely in a wildflower. They're, mm. they're, they're the snake, um, snake grass plant. It's a beautiful thing with little nodding flowers. It flowers at Easter. Beautiful okay. plant. Um, so fritillarias, all of those can be planted in the autumn. Okay, great. Helen has sent us in a photograph of a hanging basket that I think she may have purchased in Horkins last October and they're still in bloom. So oh, thanks, Helen. Looking it's been good. such a mild view. Yeah, it has. Absolutely. Um, it's obviously a winter basket, so is it? Uh, well, I, I presume if it was purchased in, in October, October, yes, yeah, it yeah, looks, looks like a winter pansy, yeah, actually, winter or it's a pansy of some description. Okay. Um, I can't, uh, as yeah. you know, my knowledge doesn't extend to say whether <laughs> it's a winter or a summer one, but we'll just go at the time of the year. Now, someone has a Galway Bay Rose with large orange pods at the end of each stem. Should they cut them off or when should they prune it back? Orange pods. Oh, that's unusual. Now, Galway Bay is it's a climbing rose. It's probably the um, rose hips that have, have come ah, on the top of the. That's it. That's you know. So it's it's, rose yeah. Hips. So if it's the rose hips, then they, look, there's no problem. That that's just a seed of of the rose from last year. Cut it back now. Remember, it's a climbing rose, so you're going to shorten the top back by about two feet, and all the side stems you're going to shorten them right back to the main stem. Feed uh, Galway Bay now and put on the winter wash as well, and that'll get it off into good condition. Excellent. It obviously flowered well last year if it produced loads of rose hips. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good sign. A good year for roses anyway last year. Um, Somebody else has got a climbing rose wondering uh, where or how should it be sown? It's in the border now but it's not supported and it's a bit of a nuisance. Right. Well, well it, I suppose climbing roses yeah, need support, they do, do they? That's the first thing. So you need to grow them on a bit of trellis. They're, they're not self-clinging, so they need some support. They need the support of a wall with wires. It, they need some timber trellis, something that it, or a pagola, something that it can scramble up. So this is the time to lift it. So, you know, dig it up now, cut it back, and then put it, plant it against a wall on some wires and train it as it's growing. Train out the stems laterally so you're spreading it across the, the wall and it'll naturally head vertical anyway. So, yeah, all climate roses need support but dig it up transplant it move it now it'll be perfectly fine Should I feel a camellia, feed a camellia and flower now? Well the main time and camellias are beautiful this year they're absolutely covered in flowers no harm to give it a liquid feed now but the main time to feed them is once they start to go out a flower a bit like what I was saying about the daffodil you build the camellia up for next year so the right time to feed it is any time from April onwards and there's a specific ericaceous feed for camellias you'll get it in your local garden centre so you can give it certainly a tonic now just to give it, keep it nice and green and get, give it a little bit of a boost mm-hmm. but the main time to feed is April, May and June because they produce their flower buds 
before autumn and, and the feeding helps that. I left my dahlias in the ground all winter and see some new shoots and buds already. Is this a good sign or should I lift them out of the soil? Well, it's a good sign that they're growing. They've obviously survived the winter very well. You took you took a bit of a chance leaving them, but the, the winter was so mild. What I would do is, the danger here is that frost, if we get some late frost, it could damage those new buds. So if you want to leave them in the ground, then cover them with some fresh compost. So get a couple of bags of compost in your local garden centre, add some fertiliser to that and literally cover the tops of the dahlias. So cover them by about three to four inches and that'll insulate them and keep them protected from any frost. The other thing to keep in mind is that the slugs will start to prey on them. So a little bit of slug control applied as well. So just give them a mulch, cover them over. Daphne Jacqueline Postel. Yeah, uh, Jacqueline That I I planted last uh, autumn seems to be producing new buds. I think they're flower buds. Would this be right so early in March? Yeah, well, Any uh, tips? Daphne Jacqueline Postel, beautiful winter flowering, spring flowering shrub. So it normally comes into flower just after Christmas. A young plant will, it's probably just coming into bloom now. It's bright pink flowers. They're kind of a dark pink and bulge, nearly kind of purplish. Mm-hmm. And then they open to a lovely white uh, flower with white centre. Beautifully scented. When, you, when this plant comes into flower, it's just amazing when the, the, the scent of it. So it's a really nice variety. Um, again, it grows to about six feet. So make nice. sure it's in a kind of a, a good sized shrub border. You can grow it in a pot as well. And it will flower next year a lot earlier. It'll actually start around Christmas time. And it generally flowers up until the end of April. Really nice shrub. I planted a peach tree about four years ago. Peach tree. Cannot peach. believe that it is so beautiful in flower. It's absolutely covered in small blooms. Do I need to feed it now? This is its first year at flowers. So it's obviously inside. Is it inside? Okay, it's inside. Yeah, well, well, I, well I, I would, I'm, I'm guessing here, but, I'm, but I'm, I would imagine like peaches and nectarines and grapes will grow in Ireland, but you need to have them in undercover. Now, you don't need any heat for them. I mean, literally a polythene tunnel or a cold glass house or a conservatory. Um, this is the time of year they flower. They're flowering a little bit what I said last week about spring flowering plants flowering their heads off this year. Peaches are covered in bloom this year because of the really good summer we had last Mm. year. The first thing you need to do is to pollinate the flowers. So you need to get your little paintbrush and go around and pollinate because the bees really aren't just out yet and they may not get into the tunnel. So to make sure that you get peaches this year, which you will, simply get a small brush, go around to each flower or some of the flowers, you don't have to do every flower and pollinate. Do what the bee that you were talking about is doing. (laughs) Spread the pollen and those those trees will produce peaches for you by late June, early July. They'll be ready for picking and they'll be as good as you get by in the shops. Will they? Oh yeah. I love peaches. They're one of my favourite fruits. There you go. Well well, they're well worth growing. They're they're in the same family as the cherries in the prunus family. Like stone is inside. Yeah but so when they're in flower they're absolutely gorgeous. I mean they're bright like a cherry tree they're these lovely bright pink flowers so they're very attractive plant irrespective of the fruit Fruit. so hand pollinate them you can give them a liquid feed and then enjoy the fruit and drop one up to Deirdre yes please I'd love I'd love to have a taste of an Irish peach tree but if people have tunnels or greenhouse they're a great there are probably lots of people obviously I'm I'm displaying my own and you have a peach tree for many years I mean they last and last do they yeah 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 now, quick, uh, a couple of questions from Dolores. Uh, she's got a holly tree, only one. Does she need a second one, I guess, to well, it to depends berry, what, what it? variety, yeah. Hollies do need to be cross-pollinated. Um, so it depends. Some some are self-fertile. There's a variety called J.C. Von Tal that is uh, self-fertile. It's got both male and female flowers on the one plant. Um, other varieties like Golden King, funnily enough, is a female variety. And Silver Queen is the male variety. 
So even silver. though the name would, would suggest otherwise. So Silver Queen and Golden King. So it depends what variety. If Dolores could let us know what variety she purchased, I can tell you whether it's male or female. Uh, but generally speaking, you do need to have different varieties to get cross-pollination. Now we have a mulberry tree about seven years old, but it has no fruit. That's just down to, it's still actually, believe it or not, a juvenile tree. Mulberries, when you plant them, tend to be very vigorous. They tend to grow a lot for the first couple of years, a bit like plum trees. And then they settle down to flowering and fruiting. So what Dolores can do here is to give it a feed of potash, just potash, no other fertiliser, sulphur of potash. That helps to slow down the growth and induce them into flowering. And mulberries will settle down to fruiting. They're, They're reliable enough. Okay. Once, once they get over kind of the seven or eight year period. Uh, speaking of ash, somebody asked about the, I guess they were probably in a roundabout way asking about the nutritional value of ash from a wood boiler. Uh, has it any value in the garden? No, not really. Like wood ash, I mean all the it's energy. It's not the same as potash. No, it's not. No, no. Um, but like the only benefit it has is sometimes if you get clinkers from it, it, you can certainly add it into your soil. It doesn't do any harm, let's put it that way. And you can dig it into your soil if you want. But there's very, very little nutritional uh, value in it. Yes or no, uh, to ground too wet to plant a bare root hedge at the moment? It's, uh, yes. Okay, that's fine. Sorry, we're just <laughs> huge amount of questions and I know there's a million we haven't gotten to. Um, I want to just very quickly touch, you did come in with a range of seeds there. I and guess. I'll cover this in my talk yeah. today at, tw- at 12 o'clock in the garden centre, but there's a whole range of different varieties of seed. I suppose, look, I was thinking, what can people do inside? There's so many vegetables, herbs and fruiting plants that you can sow from seed at this time of year indoors because the weather or the weather conditions are a bit difficult outside but inside in your homes you've got the perfect condition simply sow them in good quality compost cover them with a bit of cling film and they'll germinate within 7 to 10 days and many flowering plants can be sown as well and I'll be covering that today anyway in my talk Okay so that is just remind us of the time That's again That's at 12 o'clock in the garden centre in Turlock for about an hour and I'll just be covering spring, spring gardening and what is the sort of things you should be doing in your garden over the next kind of two to three weeks Great Now I, I'm apologising in advance I know there's been a huge volume of questions we just haven't had a chance uh, to uh, have, get to talk about today we'll probably hang on to quite a few of them and maybe use them just as material for the programme for so next give week Give us inspiration for next week Just finally before, yeah. before we finish up next Saturday um, many of our listeners tune on to thatsfarming.com the website and I have a gardening slot at 10am on just after this program okay gosh (laughs) I saw your face dropping there it's a bit like teleporting I was like what did I I not hear about next week next Saturday on the 16th of March at 10am if people go on to thatsfarming.com I actually cover the whole topic of planting potatoes in pots and containers and I actually show you some of the varieties it's a little video that will be played for about six minutes on thatsfarming.com okay lovely stuff and we'll be talking about uh, shamrock and all the rest of it as well next week uh, it being the 16th of March and the day in advance Porik thanks indeed have yourself a, a really good day and a good week as well and indeed to everybody else also that's it Michael Neary coming your way next here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning the very best in country right through until one o'clock this afternoon from me Deirdre Kelly for the moment a very good morning to you